0: Good morning. Good morning. It's great to be together. It's great to see you guys. And um, just for those of you who might be new, my name is Al. I'm one of the uh, elders uh, here at Gateway. It's my privilege to lead uh, the the east side. Just want to say a very warm welcome to you. Particularly if it's your first Sunday or you're visiting, it's so great to to have you here. Pray and hope that you'll feel welcomed and loved in this place. Um, and if it's your first Sunday, you're very welcome to stay for lunch. It doesn't matter um, if you've not brought any food. Um, some of us cannot eat, and then you can, and that's fine as well, okay? So please do stick around. It's so great um, to to be together. Um, today, I am continuing our, our preaching series in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians 14, um, and we're going to be turning there um, in a moment. But I, I just want to um, just ask a very simple question by way of an introduction. When you, when you go home, uh, or you're in the car uh, on the way home after a Sunday morning meeting, or you're, or you're gathering with a small group, or you're meeting with friends, over coffee in the week. And, and somebody asked the question of, how was church on Sunday? What's your answer? <laughs> it was brilliant. <laughs> Thanks, Jackie. I was, I, that was not um, pre, pre-arranged, by the way. <laughs> it's so good to see you, Jackie, by the way. So, so grateful God has brought you through this season. Um, and what, the, the reason we asking that question is because what you discuss, your answer, or the person who you're talking to's answer, will probably reveal about what you value about what happens when the people of God are together. And, and I was thinking about this, that um, Sarah and I on the way home in the car will often ask a question, we'll say, well, how was church today? And, and the conversation will naturally drift towards, uh, was the worship time good? Did God's spirit move? Whatever that even means, because God's spirit is always here with us. Were there new people um, among us? Um, Was the preacher good, which I probably can't evaluate today, and Sarah's not in the room? Were there new people? Was the room full or was it empty? Was there lots of people here? Were there new people here? And and as I was thinking about this, I was trying to imagine um, the, the Apostle Paul sat in the back seat of our car, listening in on our conversation. Imagine he comes to church for the first time and he sat in the back seat. We invite him back for lunch. And he sat in the back of the car with this kind of slightly bewildered look on his face. As we're talking, he says, but was Jesus glorified? And was the gospel preached? And did those who were unbelievers come to know Christ? And was the body built up and were spiritual gifts used well? And I can sort of imagine him just sort of quite puzzled about the nature of our conversation and thinking that isn't the kind of questions that he would ask about what happens when the people of God gather. He wants to make sure that Jesus is exalted and glorified and lifted up and that the body of believers is built up and encouraged. They're the kind of questions that he would evaluate. He'd say, was the body built up today? He might say to you, how did you bless and encourage someone today? And I'm thinking, oh, the nature of the conversation suddenly shifts. And what we're looking at today really is in 1 Corinthians 14 is Paul's heart that the body of Christ, the church, is built up as we gather. And that means as we gather on Sunday mornings. That means as we gather in small groups, that means as we gather um, as believers in various different contexts uh, as well. Remember, Paul is not writing here to, to churches that would have met like this. They would primarily been in a house church network, some larger, some smaller. Um, but they would have met together often in lots of different contexts. And Paul is saying, in 1 Corinthians 14, is, "When you gather, how is the body built up and encouraged?" And we're going to approach it today. Um, Imagine um, a a submarine. We're going to start at the surface. We're going to say, what's Paul's big idea in Corinthians 14? And then we're going to take a bit of a deep dive into into some of the the nitty gritty of what Paul's trying to talk about when he talks about bringing of tongues and prophecy in a public gathering. And then we're going to resurface and we're going to say, what does all that mean for us as a church when we gather? Particularly like this, but also um, in small groups uh, as well. So 1 Corinthians 14, written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth. Um, And and the thrust of this letter is this church is in a bit of a mess. They are divided. Um, There's immorality in the church. They're they're arguing when they take communion. They're, They're using spiritual gifts that God has given for the building up of the body to serve themselves. And Paul is writing to a church that isn't doing too well, quite frankly. And he's like, come on, remember these gifts that you've been given, what they're for. And particularly in chapter 14, he's writing about what happens when you gather together. So he writes this in Corinthians 14, verse 20 to 33 is what I'm reading. Brothers and sisters, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. Paul's heart is that we are people who are maturing in faith. He doesn't want us to be like children, he wants us to mature in the law it is written by people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people and even then they will not listen to me says the Lord thus tongues which is the is the speaking of a heavenly language are a sign not for believers but for unbelievers while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers but for believers if therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers or inquirers, is another way you can interpret that, enter, will they not say that you are out of your mind? For the, for the ones of you who are reading that, you'll think, is there a contradiction between verse 22 and verse 23, which we'll come to talk about a bit later? But if all prophesy... And an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so, falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. What then, brothers? When Paul writes brothers, he means to the Galatians, it doesn't just mean men. When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or three at most, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and be encouraged." And the spirits of the prophets are subject to prophets, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. There's a lot in there which we'll, we'll get into, but I just want us to look at the big picture, the big landscape that Paul is trying to paint here. Which is this, when God's people gather, they're to be built up and encouraged and matured. That therefore, the way that spiritual gifts, gifts given by God, are to be used, particularly in this context, tongues and prophecy, is so that the body of Christ is built up. Oh, when he says, by the way, expect there'll be people among you who are inquiring about faith. There'll be inquirers or unbelievers, as Paul says, among you. And I just want to say to you, if you're here this morning and you're, you would say you're in the position of an inquirer, you're here but you think, I, I don't think I, I really know Jesus or I'm not sure I believe in everything you've been singing about, then you are so welcome here. And I pray this will be a place where you can explore the Christian faith. This will be a place where you can go on a journey of saying, who is this Jesus that you're singing about? And, and what did he do and why? And what does that mean for my life? And this might be a place where you can... Um, understand and grow in understanding and actually come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. That's my prayer for you. If you're here this morning and you're in a position of an inquirer or an unbeliever, you say, I'm not really sure about this gospel, I'm not sure about this Jesus guy that you speak of. That's great. You're so welcome here. And the Apostle Paul says, when the church gathers, expect there to be people among us who are not yet Christians, who are inquirers of the faith. And for Paul, there are lots of things that are important when the church gathers. But here, what he's saying is that the body is built up. The body of Christ is elevated and built up. And the problem in the church in Corinth, in particularly, is there is confusion and chaos. Everybody prophesying at the same time. Everybody speaking in tongues at the same time. Everybody speaking over one another. Nobody's built up. Nobody's encouraged, nobody's instructed, because everyone's just doing something at the same time. And Paul writes, there is an order. There's a way of doing things so that the church is built up and encouraged. Gateway, I don't think our danger currently is confusion and chaos, really. Our context is quite different. Our danger is we consume and we settle for too little. Our danger is that we consume and we settle for too little. Our diagnosis, our symptom, is different to the church in Corinth. But the end goal is still the same, that the body of Christ is built up and encouraged and grows and is matured. Our context is different. There, there's confusion and chaos for us. We have a different issue in our culture. But God says, when you gather, ensure things are done for the building up. And I just really want to talk just very quickly about this whole thing about order. Because the minute you, some of you, you might hear the word, Paul says there's an order, your heart might just sink. And you think, oh man, boring, dull, religious church. Is that what Paul means? I don't think so. I don't think Paul imagines a boring and dull gathering of God's people when they gather Because the reality is when we're gathered and we start meditating and recalling the truths of who God is and of who we are in him, how can it possibly be dull or boring? If you are a Christian here this morning, listen to this. You have been brought from death into life. You have received forgiveness of sin. Thank you, Steve. You are seated with Christ in heavenly places. You are free from condemnation. You have been filled with the Spirit. You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. You have been adopted into God's family. You have been declared not guilty. You are righteous before your Father. You have been given gifts to serve others and glorify Jesus. You have been chosen. Jesus is our friend, our redeemer, our creator, our rock, our strong tower, our fortress, our deliverer, our peace and our sustainer. Therefore, when we gather, we can expect spontaneous and rapturous applause and worship and adoration to our King because he's worthy and because he's so amazing. Come on, church. And because in him we have received, we have received redemption and adoption. And therefore we can expect these amazing times when just the kingdom of God breaks out and we're just full of praise and adoration and we're singing and we're applauding and we're we're really just going for it with God. And there'll be other times when we're on our knees and we're just before him and we're still because we can't believe that a God who's so holy and magnificent would choose us. And there'll be times when we're weeping in his presence, maybe because of circumstances of life. And you know the loving embrace of your father saying, I know you, my child. And there'll be times when everybody else is just worshipping and their arms are raised and they're dancing and you're stood with your eyes closed still, knowing you're in the presence of God. How can our times together ever be dull and boring? There is an order. It is possible that we can have the most amazing times of gathering together and things are done in a way that glorify Jesus and build up the body. It's not one or the other. It's not a sense of, Oh, because we, we need order, we better just suddenly be all kind of religious and actually not, no. Or we don't like order, so we'll just abandon that and all do whatever. No, both and, Paul says. We're to expect our times to be full of just amazing times of just worshipping the King of Kings. And there's a way of doing it that edifies and builds up. Order does not mean dull and boring. But it does mean working together that the body is built up. So that's the big picture, that's the big idea. The body of Christ is built up by there being a way of doing things. And then Paul, in these verses, kind of really gives... There's four main parts to what Paul is saying here about how the body is built up. Of course, this is not exclusive, but this is what Paul is writing here to the church in Corinth. So we're just going to kind of take, try and take a... like. like Imagine the summary, we're trying to take a deep dive now, going, what is Paul actually trying to say? And there's some bits of it that actually are quite challenging in here. So we're going to start in verse 21. And the first principle that Paul wants us to understand from this passage is that unbelievers encounter Jesus through the proper use of spiritual gifts. So here we go in verse 21. In the law, it is written... By people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people. And even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. That's a quote from Isaiah chapter 28 in the Old Testament. Thus, Paul says, tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say, You are out of your mind? Do you see there's a bit of a paradox here? Paul says tongues are a sign for unbelievers. But he says if unbelievers come in and you're all speaking in tongues, they'll think you're crazy. What? How's that work? What's going on here? Well, let's understand that signs can either be positive or negative. Think about driving your car along a motorway. You see the big red sign. It's a warning sign. It's a negative sign. You see another sign that's a positive sign that says, go this way. And on the subject of tongues, the key to understanding what Paul means here is that actually this sign is a negative sign to those who are inquirers or unbelievers. And we can tell that from two parts of this passage. Firstly, verse 23. If the whole church comes together and speaks in tongues, i.e. this heavenly language, and everybody's doing it, and nobody's interpreting it into English or other languages so that others can understand, unbelievers or inquirers will think we're out of our minds, and it will drive them away. So uninterpreted speaking of heavenly languages in our context will actually have the effect of driving away those who are inquiring about Jesus, but in order to understand this as well, we need to go understand verse twenty-one. This link back to Isaiah chapter twenty-eight, where Paul says, "In the law it is written, by people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people, and even then they will not listen to me." So this quote from Isaiah twenty-eight, what Paul means here is that when, if Israel, oh sorry, what Isaiah was saying was, if Israel breaks the covenant with God, he will send a foreign army in who will speak in other languages to the Israelites. Therefore, it's a sign of judgment. So when the Assyrians come in and they invade the people of God, it's a negative sign. They're going to speak in another language. It's a sign of judgment. So actually, uninterpreted tongues can be considered to be a sign of judgment upon the inquirer, but not in a way that will lead them towards Jesus Christ. Because verse 23 says, when an unbeliever is among you and we speak in uninterpreted tongues, it will drive them away. On the other hand, verse 24 and 25 say, prophecy, i.e. the divine revelation from God to people through people, what does it do? It discloses the secrets of an inquirer's heart and causes them to fall on their face and worship Jesus. So the principle here is this. Uninterpreted tongues in a public context is a negative sign to unbelievers that will drive them away. Prophecy, although it's primarily for the believer, will provoke the unbeliever and draw them towards Christ. That's the key principle that Paul is trying to unpack here. That as there'll be inquirers among you, make sure gifts are used in a way that will draw people towards Jesus. And prophecy is the gift that will draw and disclose the secrets of hearts and will cause inquirers to fall on their knees and worship God. So that's the first principle that Paul is trying to help us understand here. Unbelievers will encounter Jesus through the proper use of, of spiritual gifts, verse twenty-six. This is the second principle that everybody comes ready to build. Verse twenty-six. What then, brothers? When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. I wonder, as you were driving into the car park this morning, or as you're walking here. Was what's in your mind thinking, how can I contribute this morning for the building up of somebody else? Was that, was that in your heart this morning? Because Paul says each one is to come ready to build someone else up. Does that reflect my heart? Does that reflect your heart? That as you're driving through the school gates this morning, you're thinking, who this morning can I bless and encourage? Who can I speak life to this morning? Who can I edify and build up this morning I was reminded um as I was uh, just preparing for this of the of the famous um, film Snow White and the Seven Dwarves um I hopefully most of you have seen it and you know that famous song in there where where the where doc I think it is just starts singing hi ho I', haven't, I I'm not going to join the worship team, don't worry. And, and they all pick up their, their, uh, their, uh, their shovels or their spades and they start walking off to work singing this song. Hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to work we go. We're not going to play the song. We're not going to play the YouTube clip, don't worry. <laughs> and it's almost like they're going to work with, at the ready with their tools in hand, ready to work and, to, and in their case, go down to the mines. God has given each of us tools for the building up of other people, words of encouragement, gifts of faith, gifts of prophecy, gifts of helping, gifts of mercy, gifts of hospitality, gifts of teaching, gifts of etc. 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 And we're to come with that mindset. Of, as I as I walk through the door, as I walk out of home, and I'm coming on a Sunday morning, or I'm going to my small group, I've got that mind. I'm picking up the spiritual gifts that God's given me. Right, I'm going to go and build. I'm going to go be a builder this morning. So when you come next Sunday, come like one of the seven dwarfs. When you go to a small group this week, go like one of the seven dwarfs, ready to build. Picking up the spiritual gifts that God has given you. Not that you drop them in that way. Not that you go, I leave them by my shoes at the front door. I hear my heart on this. That sense of, right, I'm going, equipped and ready to build others up. The reality is not everybody gets to gets to share publicly on a Sunday morning. But each of us can encourage, bless, pray, go towards, help, serve, Either on a Sunday, after a Sunday, within the week, um, as well, we are called to contribute, not to consume. And our culture revolves around consuming. And if I'm being honest, it very quickly invades into the church, and we find ourselves consuming, or participate, or, or we're watching a show that's happening, thinking. I'm just going to judge this whether it's any good or not. And God says, no, you're participants of this great show that he's putting on. We're not spectators, we're participants in that. Because the kingdom of God is completely upside down and inside out. It is other people oriented. So coming and receiving and being blessed is amazing. Building, Being built up is wonderful. Building others up is even better. Go to your small group this week with the intention of building someone else up. What you'll find is in doing that, you too are built up as well. And others will build you up in that process. I recognise even saying that, there'll be some of you who are sat there and you're in a season of life where you think, I would love to contribute more. But for whatever reason, you know you can't. Do you know what Corinthians 12 says to us? It says, says, it's our privilege to serve and honour you in those seasons of life. If you're in a season of life where you think, I would love to be able to go towards and encourage others more, but I just can't because of health or other situations. It is the privilege of the body of Christ to come alongside you in those moments and to say, we honour you and we serve you. That's a privilege that it means to be part of the body of Christ. And if that's you this morning, you're thinking, I would love to be able to build more, but I just can't because of a season of life I'm in. Then God's grace is upon you, and it's our privilege to serve you and to honor you this morning and throughout. But I want to challenge us to come ready to build, to be those who come and say, I am ready to be a wall builder here, brick by brick. It says in Ephesians 2, we are being built up like a spiritual temple, being joined together until we reach fullness in that way. And so we get the opportunity week by week to build and build and build. Will you come? ready to be a builder. When well, you gather, ready to be a builder. When you go for coffee for some this week, go ready to be a builder up of other people. The third key element is this. Tongues or spiritual languages are interpreted. Verse 28 and 29, these are very simple principles. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or three at most, and each in turn, i.e. tongues are not to form the dominant part of a gathering and it's orderly. It's not everybody simultaneously. There's an order to it such that there can be an interpretation in the language that will edify and build up the body. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. That means that you may feel a sense of I need to bring this tongue, but there's no one here who can interpret it. And Paul says, don't bring it. Be silent. Uh, There was a great example of this in the week. We were were gathering a a group of uh, leaders on Tuesday evening. We had a a, a guy visiting us and he said to Colin, he said, I really feel like I've got a tongue. I want to speak out. And in that context, everybody was was a believer. Everyone was a Christian. And he said to Colin, do you know if anybody here has the gift of interpretation, which is a spiritual gift in 1 Corinthians 12? And Colin said, oh yeah, there's several people here I know have the gift of interpretation. And so this guy, Mike, said, okay, fine, I'll bring it and I'll trust the interpretation will come. And I'd, what made me think was, I don't know among this body who would say they have the, gift of, the spiritual gift of interpretation. And if you would say that when someone speaks in a tongue or another language, you feel this welling up of a prayer... I want to hear from you so that we can use this gift wisely. So when a tongue comes, we can know the interpretation is going to come as well. If you know that you have got the spiritual gift of interpretation, please come and speak to me, because I would love to understand how that exists among this body so that we can use this in a way that honours how Paul is describing. That when a spiritual language is brought, there's somebody who can interpret it so that the body is built up. And the last point, principle, is this, what Paul is saying. Prophecy... This divine revelation from God to people is ordered and tested. So, again, verse 29 to 33 let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. So, again, there's an order, there's a timeliness, and it doesn't take over the whole meeting. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent for you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and be encouraged and the spirit of prophets are subject to the prophets there's a lot in those four verses but here's some key things that Paul is trying to say let two or three speak and let the others weigh so you don't get lots of prophecy at the same time and prophecy is weighed there is a lot of controversy in church history about what the other's way actually means. The reality is, we all, have a lot, we all have the privilege of weighing what gets said. If we're in a small group gathering and somebody brings a prophecy, we all get to weigh that. Or if you're having coffee with somebody and they say, I just feel like God's spoken to me for you, you have the privilege of weighing that. In our context, when we're gathered like this, The way that we think is best to weigh prophecy is that somebody um, at the front who's leading the meeting just says, hey, is that right for now? Is that the right thing to bring now? So we we, we kind of say, right, there's actually, you've got something from God, come and speak to one of us and we'll say, is that right to bring this morning? Does it fit with what God is doing? Does it fit with other prophetic words that's happening? That's just a way of trying to bring order into our context and a way of trying to honour that others may have other things as well. And what this means as well is that you may have something, you may come ready with the prophecy, but verse 30 says, if a revelation is made to another, let the first be silent. So you may come with a burning thing from God and somebody else may come with a burning thing from God, a divine revelation, and, and so that person gets their prophecy brought and you don't. And you might go home going, oh, they don't like me. No. Paul says, actually, sometimes things can get brought, not everything can get brought. And that's okay. And it may not like it. It doesn't mean we don't value you or love you or for you. It just means that there's an order that Paul is trying to unpack here. Verse 31 tells us that all can prophesy one by one. So it's a sense of order. It's not everybody at the same time. And verse 32 then tells us that the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. Now that is a verse and a half in two minutes, let me just explain what I think Paul means here. Paul is talking here about the Ephesians 4 gift of the office of the prophet. that so God gives to the church, apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists. There are people appointed into those roles, and they are accountable to others in that context. So if in this church there was a group of Ephesians 4 prophets that have been raised and recognised, there's an accountability because prophecy is not a solo sport. It's a team game and one person who's a a prophet and another who's a prophet, they'll see part of what God is bringing by way of revelation and they work together for the good of the whole body. So there's four very simple principles that I think Paul is trying to bring. Unbelievers encounter Jesus, everyone comes ready to build, tongues are interpreted and prophecy is tested and orderly. If you want to hear more on prophecy, I spoke on this last week. Let's just resurface and land this morning. God has adopted you into his global family called the church. But he's, but that gets worked out meaningfully within a local church family where you are matured and discipled and grow in love for him and where you get to serve others and use the gifts that he has given you. That's how your meaningful connection to the global family of God gets worked out at a local level. And God's heart is that this church, Gateway Church Swindon, is built up, encouraged, strengthened and matured. And that can only happen as we all contribute and as we all use the gifts that God has given us. And many of you have served faithfully over many, many years I just want to say thank you for giving of yourself over and over and over again, over many years of just investing and pouring yourself, whether that's publicly or whether that's in a way that nobody else sees, but God sees. I just want to say thank you for everything. Every one of you has invested in maturing and building up this community. This community would not be what it is today if it wasn't for us investing and contributing and pouring ourselves into one another. But I just want to kind of recommission us this morning and ask of us and implore of us, will you commit again to being a builder up of this body and using whatever gifts that God has given you to see this body come into fullness of maturity that God has made it to be? And my prayer is that in every context where we come, that you and I would come as a contributor, not as a consumer. That you would come as a contributor, not a consumer. Ready to give, ready to build up. Knowing that as you do that, you indeed will also be edified and built up. And some of you are sat on the sidelines and and you've got capacity to invest. But you're sat on the sidelines watching the show, seeing if you like it or not. And God says it's time to get on the pitch. It's time to get off the sidelines, because this body needs you for its building up. For some of you, it's time to get off the sidelines and stop looking in and going, no, I'm not going to look at anymore. I'm going to be involved. I'm going to give myself. If you have capacity and time to invest, and you're in a season of life where you're able to, I want to say to you, get on the pitch this morning. Come ready to build. Could you imagine a church family where it's said that everybody loves one another unconditionally, where everyone is laying themselves down for the good of others, where everybody seeks to outserve one another, where everybody is contributing in their small way for the building up of the whole. So the book of Nehemiah is a wonderful example of this. Every person, brick by brick by brick, builds the wall of Jerusalem. Some build a lot, some build a small amount, but all of it is to build for the kingdom of God. And do you know what? A body like that sounds exactly like the person that we are imitating and replicating to the world. A sort of body where we outserve and lay ourselves down for another sounds exactly like a body that reflects its head, Jesus Christ. Who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. If you want a motivation for the building up of this body... Go to Christ, who did not consider equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking on the form of a servant, dying a death on a cross that he did not deserve to die. Being raised to new life, therefore God has exalted him to the highest place. He's the head of the body. Our love for one another is to replicate the relationship between the head and the body where he laid down his life for us. And we have the privilege of laying down our life for our brothers and sisters. And if you want, it's the gospel that motivates us, brothers and sisters. It's not a nice message. It's not a uh, feeling beaten up. It's not a provocation. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ, which propels us and causes us to give of ourselves one and, um, over and over again for the good of others. It's our love for Christ as the head of the body that will propel us into love for one another. And my encouragement this morning, the way I want to land is this. Look to Jesus. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him went to the cross, scorned its shame. Can I just invite you, if if you're able, if you're comfortable, just to stand. I just want to pray for us just by way of finishing this morning. And really what I want to pray for is that we would be a people motivated by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I want to thank you for this family. What an amazing family. Made up of people from every different walk of life. From many different cultures. From many different backgrounds. Some inquiring about faith. Some been Christians for 50 years. What an amazing family you've called us into, Lord. I love this family. Lord Jesus, I pray over us. I pray that we may fall in love with Jesus Christ more and more. That first and foremost, that we would learn to love you more deeply. That our motivation for uh, love for one another and love for others would be born out of an understanding, Lord, of firstly how much you have loved us and our response to you. Lord, that on that cross you poured out your life as a love offering for us. You withheld nothing from us, Lord. I want to pray for us this morning, Lord, that the gospel would be the thing that motivates and compels us and propels us on, Lord. Lord, that the name of it is the gospel of Jesus Christ that would move us on towards the kind of body that you imagine us to be. Lord, I pray for us. I pray that we, you might put in our hearts to be those who contribute and seek to build up others and seek to serve others and seek to lay ourselves down for others, just like the head has done for the body. I pray for arms in this body that will bless the hands. I pray for legs that will bless the feet. I pray for all of this, everybody in this body who has been called here will come ready to build bit by bit, brick by brick, So that we are joined together into the house that you have made us to be, Lord. I pray that we would mature, that we would not think like children, but that we would mature in faith. Help us in this, Lord. Keep us going until we we reach fuller maturity in your kingdom. I pray that we would serve one another, not out of um, any sense of duty, but because you first loved us. I pray all these things for your glory, for our joy and for our building up in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.